This is The Craft of Governance, a podcast providing insight into the boardroom. Welcome, everyone, to the Directors Academy podcast series focused on the craft of governance. It's sponsored by uh, Allegis Partners. I'm Keith Meyer, the president and one of the founding board members of the Directors Academy. During this series of podcasts, we will invite a number of our faculty members to share their unique insights and perspectives on key elements of corporate governance and board leadership, from individual committee best practices to developing effective working relationships with the CEO and a host of other matters. Today's topic is transitioning from a board member to a board leader, and we're pleased to have James White with us. Uh, James was the chairman and CEO of Jamba, uh, until his recent retirement. He's been on corporate boards for many years, including being the chair today of the Adtelum Global Education Board, the chair of Bradshaw International, a director of Panera Bread Company, and he previously was chairman of Damon Worldwide, and also a director of Calidus Cloud and Hillshire Brands, amongst other boards. James also is one of our founding board members for the Directors Academy. Today we're going to cover five topics with James. Uh, the first is the transition from the CEO role to an independent director and some of the new skills and uh, uh, impact that you had in the, during and after that transition. The second would be the area where you observe directors getting into trouble and having uh, some issues where they tried to add value uh, on their boards and maybe struggled. A third area was would be around your recent transition into the board chairman role and leading the board and how you think about those leadership uh, capabilities relative to your prior board service. And then we're also going to talk about the impact of being a diverse board chair and how that may or may not influence how you lead the board. So James, great to have you with us. Why don't we just kick off with that first topic. You went from being a, uh, a high-performing CEO, uh, working with the board, to then stepping over while you were CEO into uh, public and private company boards where you were the board member. And discuss kind of that transition and, and how that went for you. Keith, the, the, the first one I'd make is, is, is really just the, the difference between, between being an operating manager or chief executive and you know, playing more governance role from a board perspective and really as you walk in to the boardroom understanding the difference. Um, you know, so I had to take my management leadership hat off from an operating perspective and then move to a governance uh, perspective in the boardroom. And the board's collectively a group of peers. It's not a hierarchical organization, el- uh, entity or element. And I think as a CEO, you probably led one way, but you contributed differently in the boardroom. Is that fair? Well, in the boardroom, you needed to uh, have a mindset on how and where you might add value, uh, is at least the way I thought about it. And, you know, my operating experience would be one, some of the industry sectors uh, that I'd work in would be a second place where value uh, gets added in the boardroom. What was the preparation like as you became more proficient as a board member and you still had your day job as CEO? How did you start to plan and effectively prepare for board meetings? And did that change over time? You know, for me, and the boards varied. I mean, some were in the consumer products industry. Some would have been in more retail-oriented industry. So it might require field visits to factories. It might have me going into retail shops. In the case of, uh, you know, a restaurant chain like Panera where we've got cafes, 
uh, and then really studying the industry on an ongoing basis is an important part of the uh, preparation coming into the meetings and ongoing. And during that, that time when you were in your initial stage of your board uh, experience, were you getting much feedback from the board chairs or the lead directors or even the CEOs around your contribution? Or was that sort of a feel-it-as-you-go uh, experience? My first board service was about a billion-dollar uh, company. It was in the uh, IT services kind of tech space, so it was a space where I didn't really have domain expertise uh, but I brought value based on my leadership experience. So that one, um, you know, I really needed to learn both the industry and try to come up to speed and then be able to add value from a leadership uh, perspective to the organization. So I solicited uh, feedback uh, from uh, both the chairman of the board uh, and the management team because I was looking for a way to add value uh, to the organization. Different domain, different sector for you. Yeah. Shifting to our second topic today, observations on what differentiates higher performing directors from other board members and where do you think if there are kind of typical areas where directors struggle that aren't performing well, what those areas might look like and, and how you've kind of avoided that? I think the most critical thing always is to understand the context in which the company is operating uh, because in my experience and how uh, it makes money how the organization makes money but kind of the the overall kind of industry construct who the competitors are and then where the critical places where the board can actually add value and, you know, for me, if I just, you know, put my CEO hat on, it was always very important to help the board understand where I felt like I needed help. And then you could concentrate the effort and get good questions and kind of the best thinking from a board. I think where things go a little bit astray is where a board member has an area of expertise and they're going to share that expertise no matter what, whether it's relevant, helpful it's just an expertise, not uh, you know applied to create value. Uh, they just automatically want to share that with the board and the management team. Right. Have you seen issues where maybe the CEO doesn't understand where to pull value out of their board, and that sometimes can create a different dynamic where the board struggles to be effective because the CEO doesn't know how to engage with the, their own board? Yeah, I've seen it both ways. Uh, and I think the highest performing boards and chairmans and, and CEOs do a great job on the intake or the onboarding. So the there, there's magic in the onboarding of a new director where there is constructive feedback ongoing. I've got a, uh, a situation with one of the boards that I sit on today and we've added three new directors and one of the things that I've worked to do is have a very specific discussion with the individual directors on how between myself and the CEO, we see them adding value so there's no confusion. There might be other areas where that individual can add value, but one or two places where we know they can help us advance the... So you set uh, expectations even before they start their first board meeting on and contribution. We, and we try to build it into the uh, onboarding process as well. What was it like transitioning from the board member role 
into either the committee chair role and or then the board chair role and were there differences in how you needed to think about adding value in those different roles as a board member? Yes, I think the overall from a board member perspective, once you have your committee assignments, you're really just trying to understand how to add value on that committee and to be a contributing uh, member on that committee, which is very different than you know leading uh, a committee. And one of my first committees that I chaired would have been uh, the compensation committee. Uh, as chair of a committee, you're going to work with the external resources, you're going to work with the members of the board and you're also going to work with the management team kind of the key leader of the management team to facilitate uh, that work and it's just a different level of strategy work uh, there's a little bit broader context required to kind of lay out the the game plan for the committee and then the the board chair work is dramatically different than either board member or committee your key resources uh, end up becoming the general counsel ends up being uh, just critically important. The relationship with the CEO uh, is very important. And then the relationship with each individual member of the board uh, becomes critically important to a high-performing, well-functioning board. How did, if, you, if this came up, how would you or did you handle a, a board member that was not performing to the expectation versus being a CEO with a leadership team member where you had to coach and develop. Is, is it different if you have a board member that's struggling and you're the committee chair or the board chair? And how did you address that? I think for me now, one of the, and I'm, I'm almost a year into chairing uh, my first public company. I've chaired private company boards, but as chair of a relatively high-performing board, I followed what I thought was a great board chair uh, and one of the practices that I've put in place is post each board member meeting, I solicit feedback on things that the management team could have done better or differently. I also get feedback on things that I might have done differently in terms of hmm. organizing, constructing, or guiding the meeting agenda differently. But I also take it as an opportunity to provide feedback to the individual board member on, hey, this was super helpful, or that issue you brought up in the broad board meeting, that would be better served if you would have handled that uh, kind of offline with a specific member of the management team. Do you do that as part of the executive session with the full board or individually give that feedback to board members? That would be individually right. as, mm -hmm. a, as a practice. How's that gone? It's been well received because everybody, there, there's no... Uh, lack of clarity in, in terms of expectations and it's creating a bit of a, a you know better alignment have you been able to take any of your prior private company board leadership experience and translate that into the public company setting or where do you see differences and how do you think about adjusting your leadership style and your private company board versus the public company well some of the private company experience that i cherish the most is they spend much more time on the, the big picture strategy, and then they use each board meeting most of the time to go deep on how the strategy is being operationalized. So for me, that is becoming increasingly a part of where I focus on in any of the public company 
boards that sit on. And first is the public well. company boards. There are always a host of opportunities to get distracted by regulatory compliance and a whole host of other topics and not spend time as a board on on strategy and how the strategy is. So that's kind of a challenge. That can be a little bit of a challenge. You've had experience um, with activists and having activists uh, come into your company as CEO. As a board leader today, do you think differently about activism and how a board needs to be prepared, whether an activist is in play or not in play? And how do you think about that from a board leadership standpoint? From a board leadership perspective, I think if the board is more actively engaged in both the strategy and how the strategy gets operationalized, and, and then where there are gaps or challenges or issues, the board is engaging management around a game plan. Uh, that's the best way to guard against uh, you know, any concerns that you'd have from an activist perspective. So the in engagement level of the board needs to just be a, a lot greater than uh, I would have thought about it historically, you know, having had activists approach companies uh, that I've been involved with the board around and actually sit in the boardroom in uh, one of the cases when I was CEO. Uh, there are things I probably would have done differently knowing exactly what I know today. So you almost as a board member have to think as a disruptive, not as a disruptive activist, but you have to bring a mentality of being more proactive around what could be disruptive to the company and then start to proactively work together. And at a minimum, Keith, you've got to actually ask those questions uh, and kind of, you know, put the, the lens of an activist on and say, where do we have opportunities? And engage the board. And in then that. engage the board around those opportunity areas. Being a diverse board leader, a diverse CEO, formerly CEO, do you bring a different lens to board leadership? And do you have a different perspective on maybe empathy or other areas of board leadership than some of the other board leaders you've observed that aren't or haven't been diverse, or do you think it's all the same? Yeah, I guess I guess for me, and it's a, it's a personal makeup, so I bring a, a, a mindset that is inclusion kind of by design from a leadership uh, perspective. So that's kind of my ingoing kind of. That's just you as a person. That's me as a person. It's a it's a core value. It's something I look for in the boards that I join because kind of you know alignment around the vision and mission ends up being important uh, for me with the companies and the boards that I go into. And I've been you know quite fortunate. Uh, the the board that I chair today at Talent Global Education. Uh, we have an African-American woman who's our CEO, Lisa Wardell, just a dynamite CEO, one of the top uh, women CEOs in the, in the country. In, in my humble opinion, we've got an incredibly diverse board that includes uh, four women. Uh, we've got you know, four people of color on that same uh, board. So we, 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 we kind of we live in this way, and there's great alignment across the board is something we talk about as an organization. We've got a very diverse management team. And, you know, the constituent would see that we serve uh, from an education perspective, you know, from nursing uh, to our medical schools is a highly diverse population of uh, students that we serve. And there's an element of purpose-driven 
corporate objective here, if you think about board service, do you feel it's important to have alignment around kind of the purpose and the mission of the organization as well as, you know, the quarterly, how much money do we make and, you know, what's the share price today if you're a public company and how do you translate that into your board leadership? I think at least for us at Adtalum, uh, that's a central part of what brings all of the nine-member board together at Adtalum. The mission is, you know, a, a rallying point of alignment for us all. Last question, James. If you look back today based on all of your cumulative board experience and you went back to where you started in your first board, would you do anything differently today based on what, you've know, what you know and what you've seen uh, on that first board? Or would you have done it exactly the way you did it back then? I think the, the, the one thing that I might have done differently is I might have been a more active learner in thinking about the long term for the companies whose boards I was serving on, kind of taking a, a five or ten year perspective and then kind of walking back to today, it, it would provide a couple things. It would guide my own preparation differently. It would reshape some of the questions that I posed uh, in the boardroom slightly differently with a much longer term. Versus just dealing with the board meeting agenda and what was happening in that. The, the board meeting that. agenda, the quarterly performance, the annual performance, uh, because the truly uh, defining companies kind of over time are going to have a longer term uh, perspective on how they ex execute their strategy. And the board should be leading that conversation. The board has to push management kind of out of the quarter to quarter uh, rigor. But even as a board member, as I look at where we sit, today the, uh, the the need for uh, corporate directors to build their own skill sets moving forward uh, is increasingly more important in addition to um, their own operating experience. Uh, so for me over the course of the last year or so I've spent a lot of time working on my own skill set in preparation for the future so I can add more value in the boardroom. If you look at the disruptive uh, change that the exponential technologies like robotics and artificial intelligence are having on most businesses, it's just a, it's a prerequisite that the board members are at least familiar with those technologies and the potential implications for their businesses. So as you bring that continuous learning into your boardrooms, do you find a receptive audience with the other directors or do they just sort of look at you like, well, there's James going off again on disruptive technology and we're fine with the business model and you know for the next 24 to 36 months we can keep going is there a tension in the boardroom around that or do you think that it's becoming more accepted that yeah this just disruption is going to affect us and we have to be ready sooner rather than later how do you sense that attitude in the boardroom yeah th i think there is an openness to it but you know for me as a as a board member i'm not trying to just bring back the new knowledge that i have I try to put it in the context of the industries that we sit in. So, I, I mean, there's a thoughtfulness that needs to happen on my part in terms of how and where I engage either the board, the management team, or the CEO. Because as chairman, you have a large degree of control over the agenda and where the board spends its time. So you could effectively direct the board's time into areas much differently than maybe the board has spent time in the past, right? Yeah, but I view my role as more facilitating. My view as, as board chairman is to really firstly make sure that the board is truly an asset to the CEO and management team is kind of job one. 
job two is to help the CEO and management team access all the talent on the board so so the board becomes a truly strategic advantage kind of longer term to the uh, company and the mission of the company. Thank you, James. We appreciate all you do for the Academy, and we invite everyone to come back and in enjoy the next podcast in a couple weeks, and we also thank Allegis Partners for sponsoring this podcast series. Thank you very much, James. Keith, thank you. To learn more about the Directors Academy, go to directorsacademy.com. <laughs>